are listening to the Freewheeling Podcast. I am Abby Mickey, and we are back to talk about women's cycling and women's cyclocross because we've just discovered it. I've just discovered it. Amy's still kind of, you're into it, right? Yeah. I've been into it. I've followed it before. Yeah. Lauren's always been into it. Lauren's basically Belgian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just the newbie. <laughs> mm. So that was obviously Amy Jones. We also have Lauren Rowney here. Lauren, hello. Hello. Hello, g'day, g'day. Seeing Gracie hasn't joined us for a little while, I'll take over the resident Aussie accent. Gracie will be back very shortly in the new year. We will be back to the four of us. Thank goodness, because we definitely missed her Australian accent on the podcast and her hot takes. She really knows what she's talking about. Wait, what's Lauren's accent? I'm confused. Lauren, what's your accent then? I'm I'm Aussie, but I feel like my Australian accent's been like completely dulled down and i can play the south african card too lauren's a woman of the world oh, Amy. Okay. i am citizen of the globe <laughs> all right before we dive into all of our topics today from new signings to complete rosters to cyclocross this episode is brought to you by zwift We've mentioned a ton that Zwift is an incredible community. And if you look at the events, there's something for everyone. Just this morning, there's a group Nyoko badge hunt, the Zwift Duathlon League, a rise, team draft Wednesday race, the Velo News ride, a VO2 max workout from the Zwift Academy, team Italy specialisma race, and I mean, just so many more. I eventually just stopped writing them down because I kept going on and on. Whenever you're able to jump on Zwift, there's a ride for you. And whatever type of workout, from hard rides to races to easy coffee rides you'll be able to find it on zwift what do you guys think should we start a freewheeling group ride yes yes i think we should it's really cold here now and i'm soft so and i'm gonna be in the uk <laughs> wait hold on you're you're in where yeah, spain yes don't speak of cold amy when i live in right. belgium oh, sorry, uh, sorry. I was take it back <laughs> that was disrespectful <laughs> No, but it's, uh, has it been raining down there? It has been for the last couple of weeks. It's been rubbish, but it's just gone back to like cold but sunny. But it is Baltic, like for Girona. I know, I'm sorry again, like, but it's been, it hasn't snowed. No, I'm just, I'm teasing. Like, I know that the, the weather can be horrendous there, but that's usually February. It just, it's, it's like the spring in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I might be going to Belgium at the end of this month. Yes. And we're going to miss each other. Because you're a cross fan now, right? Uh, yes. I'm going, yeah. <laughs> it's hard not to be a cross fan when you actually watch the racing. I did hear a rumor. I know we're getting into race talk in a second, but is the Antwerp Cyclocross World Cup canceled? Yes. Yeah, that is correct. That was on the run sheet for today. Unfortunately, the next round of the World Cup is canceled next weekend So, or this coming weekend. So we have a block. With no racing, which is interesting. I actually really like how the World Cup, uh, I, I, the whole like season that it runs over 2020 and 2021. Um, I mean, I've said this on the normal podcast, the freaking contract situation in cyclocross is ridiculous and why they don't have contracts spanning the length of a cyclocross season and have them for like 2021, 2022 doesn't make any sense to me, but, um, (laughs) <laughs> but I like how they have, you know, the the blocks of World Cup racing where there's every weekend almost there's like a, a one good race to watch and it's super exciting. I mean, all the other races seem to be really good as well, but the World Cups are like the 
the storyline to follow throughout the season kind of to get a good grasp on what's going on before the world's at the end. And it's like it's all condensed into basically four months um, mm. opposed to, say, a road season, which is nine months or more sometimes. Road season I lasts mean, approximately <laughs> 10 years. There you go. <laughs> Amy with the dry dry sense of humor no but it's true like if you were an american coming over for just that block for example it's just four months of your life (laughs) yeah it's not as brutal as like if you're on a road team and you have to come over for the entire year and you don't see your family at all yeah which we've discussed is is difficult um unless you meet a european and you really really establish yourself here like abby has done (laughs) yeah unless you fall in love with a foreigner yeah, pick up and move, and then you're stuck. Leave your you're dog trapped, you're trapped in Europe, <laughs> and then you have a baby, and you're even more trapped. No, I'm just joking. It's true. <laughs> I was like, oh man, when am I going to be able to come back to the U.S.? December. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess the listeners don't know that I'm that we're having a baby. Did I announce? We am I announcing uh, the Free William podcast Yay! collectively. We are having a baby. The three. <laughs> Yeah, the three of us are <laughs> It's our baby. I did, when I told my family, I was like, we're pregnant. And my grandma was like, you both? <laughs> I was like, no, just me. Just me, but Tom's no. helped. <laughs> I love that, though. I love saying we're pregnant because, yeah, you are. It's both of you. I mean, I know you're carrying the baby, but um, it's very much the case. And it's like, actually, when it comes to loss with, with miscarriage and everything, people often forget about the man and his loss. So it's a bit of a... It's weird for them. I, I think it's weird for them. Like, they, they're watching us go through it and they can't relate at all, but they, but they, we're still their partner, so they still, like, feel like they're... I don't know. I think it's I think it's weird for, for him and for, like, all male partners or just partners, partners in general, watching their, their significant other carry a baby. Speaking of Zwift, I'm just going to back to that. I would love a, like, (laughs) women who are pregnant, postnatal, yeah, prenatal, postnatal. No drop ride. No drop ride. Where you can just go on there and just, like. Yeah, you can set it. So it's, like, a set. You can ride however hard you want, but you never get dropped. Yeah, you could ride at 300 watts if you're like Gracie or you could ride at 100 watts like me <laughs> and basically talk about <laughs> all the challenges and the great things about having a little baby and trying to juggle, yeah, working life and riding your bike. Yeah. Which Zwift actually makes Do it, it possible. Make it maybe we should start that. Yeah, maybe we should start that ride, a pregnant lady ride, pregnant postnatal ride. Can Amy, you can join just, at yeah. some point. Uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, he makes that sound as if like I was joining for the purpose of it rather than just for- Yeah, just go to C- Costa Cacao for breakfast and then yep. Like, yep. jump on the trainer <laughs> afterwards and then it'll <laughs> simulate the same feelings. <laughs> oh, uh, once you put yourself into a chocolate coma, you'll feel how we feel. Okay, like, a little bit that's, nauseous, that's definitely too full. Ex- yeah, okay. That that I can do very easily. Oh my god, it's a good job my boyfriend doesn't listen to this. <laughs> You never know. Maybe uh, he does. He definitely doesn't. I'm afraid. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. As we digress. <laughs> We've digressed. 
Yes. Uh, let's talk about cyclocross. There was the French World Cup. Uh, no, I literally just heard the dude. Bessacon? Do it. I always just say Bescon, but Bescon? it's wrong. There's an A. There's an A in it. The French but... one. Just call it the, the French one. Is yeah, there there's French the one? French World Cup over the weekend. Yeah. And it was sloppy. Muddy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that one off-camber section where they were up against a wall and there's just a hill and they were all just like <laughs> hugging the wall with their foot on. I was like, that's just cruel. That is cruel to put that into this race. But I mean, I guess if it wasn't muddy, it wouldn't be as bad. But yeah, the the mud made for quite a interesting race tactically. Um, Lucinda Brand won, and I thought her tactics were really, really smart. I mean, obviously, she's got the form to be able to get to the front and just launch herself off the front and ride away from everybody. But that also meant that she didn't get caught up in all the crashes that happened, all of the holdups from people who can't ride the sections as well as she can, or just anything goes wrong because everything like can in a muddy race like this. So I, I thought her tactics were great, but clearly she's just like, she looks like she's on another level than anyone, everyone else right now. Yeah. I mean, we did discuss that. It's, it's awesome to see um, different people on the podium and different people winning. But then again, she is still the standout rider who is winning most of the races. Um, like you said, she basically did a Lizzie Dignan, at Paris-Roubaix and decided I'm just going to go early. Um, Lap one, she was gone. And she did say in the interview afterwards that she knew that if she was out the front, she could take her own line and that would be the fastest and safest route and it proved that way. I mean, there was, I think, on lap one, that downhill section where um, Anna-Marie Worst tried to follow her line and unfortunately slipped out and went kind of under the barrier and Lucinda just held it up somehow. She's got incredible bike handling skills um, for a road rider who has only been doing this a few years. It's, yeah. Is that right? Has she yeah. only? Another level. Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, it so, seems like it's just in the Dutch's blood to be good at cyclocross based on the, like, results from the <laughs> previous World Cups. This was the first World Cup where there was four non-Dutch in the top ten, three North Americans and one French rider. But it was, but, like, usually... It's just Dutch, just all Dutch, and then Cataplank Voss. It's funny because in the women's, it's like Dutch, 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 and in the men's, it's like Belgian, 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 Belgian. Like, yep. yeah, with like one or two Dutch. Yeah, there, like the occasion. Yeah, and that's it. So I think as the season progresses, that we're gonna see more non-Dutch in the top ten because obviously they're just gonna get better and better as the season goes on, which is why it is kind of a bummer that there's no World Cup this weekend because one of those races can make a big difference in building up that fitness and also the confidence on the bike and also the um, the handling skills. Everything gets better every single race. And so it's kind of a bummer that we're going to miss that because it would help, say, Magali Rochette, who got second uh, this weekend, this past weekend, Canadian national champion, you know, just help her one more step up, you know, and that's, yeah, when there's so little races and one gets canceled and they said it was because of the COVID protocols will mean that the atmosphere is affected. I mean, yes, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like rag on a race being canceled by COVID because if you're doing it because 
there's a new variant and the cases are rising and it's getting more dangerous to have mass gatherings and everything. But I mean, the, the Flanders classics proved, uh, that you could have a race in Belgium, a, a top race, like the tour of Flanders, <laughs> and it could still be a really good race without the like quote unquote atmosphere, you know? Yes. Yeah, the weird reason. It's a, a supposedly a money thing, right? Yeah. I mean, there's they there's talk get... behind the scenes, but it's all just kind of talk, you know? What's the talk, Abby? Well, let's just, fingers crossed, that COVID doesn't impact the rest of the season and we don't see other races fall away because, like you said, it is a short season. There's only six only 16 World Cups. But we saw with Clara Hossinger that last year she had a full, full season in Belgium. She did all the big races and then came out at Worlds, I think, fourth or fifth. So... Um, for that Canadian rider, definitely. She's obviously just come over more recently. I hadn't taken note really of her name, but to come out and get second in a World Cup. Yeah, very Magley. impressive. Yeah, and she was supposed to do Canadian Nationals, but it was canceled. So she jumped on a plane like last minute to come to the World Cup, which is pretty impressive because that jet lag and, you know, travel in your legs is real. Yeah. Just glad she did that then. Making the best out of a bad situation. Turning lemons into lemonade, as grandma would say, huh? We've heard that one before. Um, But, yeah, the next World Cup will be Val de Sol, um, which is the first time they're running it there. Uh, Do you guys think that Lucinda Brand can keep up this form all season? Or do you think that... Well, she's actually, she was meant to sit out, I think, Antwerp and Val de Sol because she's taking um, a period off to Mm. go do a training camp. Which sounds smart because it's basically halfway through the season if we're eight World Cups down. Um, and we know that she's very experienced with being a professional athlete. I mean, she was a road cyclist for many years before she crossed over to cross. So I think she knows what she's doing. And yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Taking time off to go and do a training camp sounds a little bit like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it's like the early season they training camp. Where they like they take a bunch of photos and they like get to know each other. It's like not a, it's not like a proper training camp where you're yeah. racing each other. Well, I think there is a little bit of that in the second half of the training camp, just for fun. Yeah, yeah, but you can always sit it out, you know, if you have that kind of willpower. Well, I think you have to beat a certain rider with a certain type of in the in the hierarchy to be able to sit that out true i think that she definitely has uh cause and yeah. backing to be able to be like yeah so this thing not gonna do it <laughs> i'm going to the cafe bye <laughs> uh anyway we'll be back to talk about that next world cup but yeah pretty exciting pretty exciting cross race over the weekend i hope that the next one you know, I love the money races because they're really interesting to watch, but I do, when it's like drier, there's more of a battle, I think. So, mm-hmm. but mod just, it's, I love mod. It's just so fun, like to watch. Like everyone just slipping and sliding. To watch? To ride? I know. Do you like riding? Do you to like roll around in. Something? Yeah, yeah, like a pig. That's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be fair, it's actually quite fun to ride as well, isn't it? Not that I yeah. have extensive. I mean, experience but yeah catch me did you guys ever do a cyclocross race no not yet not on the list exciting 
on the list. I saw uh, Chloe Hosking. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chloe Hosking, I think, was doing a few in Germany, if I'm right. Um, so enjoying the beautiful weather up here in the north. But like, it looks, I would only do it, there's an option to do very amateur level in Belgium. And um, I think in the UK, you've got there's a similar sort of yeah, scene yeah, too. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So just for fun, why not? I've got like a gravel bike. Well, let's just call it an off-road bike because the bike shop I go to, he hates the word gravel bike. Um, <laughs> not that kind of It's word. just an all-terrain bike. <laughs> um, it was not the best bike for cyclocross, but I'm not planning on winning any World Cups. So that would be the goal next winter is, is to have a crack once Harry's a bit older and I actually can do exercise consistently. <laughs> I I did a couple cyclocross races in my day. I hated it. No. Yeah. Why? Oh my god. But it's brutal. The effort is so hard. I mean, yeah. the riding part is hard, but then you have to jump off and run upstairs. And to me, that is just like some kind of sick <laughs> joke. <laughs> we can't all be like Ellen Noble bunny hopping upstairs, you know? I, I quite. Does she bunny hop upstairs? I've seen her bunny hop upstairs. Yeah, ben, bunny oh, hop. Up the, the stairs, nice, over the barriers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, up the stairs. Go check out her well. Instagram. She can bunny hop up but the stairs. But not in a race. Yeah. Surely it's good. Well, I think she's done it in a race. I'm pretty sure she's, I've seen yeah. her do it in person at the Boulder. Like in Boulder, there's this bike park called Belmont Bike Park. Yeah, she did it in, famously in a race. Is it not quicker to dismount and run though in a race? No. Well, no, Puck Peterson proved that. No, that, two that's the barriers, ago. though, not stairs. Oh, I see what you mean. Sorry, yes, barriers faster to bunny hop if you can do it correctly. Stairs up the might be fa- well. That depends how fast you can run. If you can't run fast upstairs, <laughs> then maybe it's better to just stay on your bike. <laughs> I'm alright running when I can actually run and injured right now, but maybe I'll give it a crack next next winter. Maybe I found my. I was shy to everything else, so maybe it's just that I didn't ever try cyclocross. Maybe that was my calling, and I just never got around to That's it. That's possible. Well, Amy, you're coming to Belgium in a few weeks. Possibly depends on. It's your bike, man. Next year, Amy's going to be racing in the World Cups, and we won't be able to get her on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we will. We'll just <laughs> interview her. She'll be out like. I just broke guest a rib. Interviewee. <laughs> yes, catch me on Eurosport. Before we dive into some road news, this episode is also brought to you by Richie. Tom Richie started riding bikes off-road more than 50 years ago, and back then there was no such thing as gravel-specific frame sets, tires, and handlebars. In fact, all of Tom's early rides in the rough stuff saw him piloting bikes with 23mm tires during all-day adventures in very remote areas. These experiences, that spirit of adventure, and Tom's decades of riding and innovation still inspire every Richie frame, component, and accessory made today. With dirt in its blood and informed by everyday experiences, Richie has the products you need to enjoy your adventurous explorations. Richie, built from life. Thank you to Richie for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's uh, let's dive into some road talk. So last week we talked a little bit about the, or last week, last uh, episode we did together, we talked a little bit about the leaked EF roster and EF Tibco Silicon Valley Bank has announced their very first rider for 2022 and that's Lizzie Banks. So we kind of already covered it, but now it's official. Interesting way of doing things, but. <laughs> I mean, it's still weird to me that that whole roster is leaked. Who was it? What was it? How? It's it's bold of 
PCS to put that up there, you know. It's always bold of PCS. Everything. I mean, first cycling is a pretty good site as well. So for for results and stuff. And they have cycle cross. Do they? It does take a little bit of adjusting when you've been using PCS for like years, but they have MTB as well. Yeah. You should check it out. And track. And track. All of it. Everything. Since we branched out into cyclocross, I feel like we should talk about the Track Champions League, but I don't know a ton about it, other than that their like introductory uh, light show was pretty cool. Oh, really? I didn't watch it. Yeah, I saw a clip of it on, on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I do. I like track. I like track racing. I've just had a very busy time in my life at the minute. I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I would watch it. Like, I heard you, you guys talking about it on the main podcast. As... You said on your Instagram, journalists need an off-season too. Yeah, fuck yeah, exactly. You got to pick and choose your battles. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Speaking of battles, that was not a, that's not a good segue. That <clears throat> This has nothing to do with battles. But Katie <laughs> Archibald, speaking of track, speaking of track and the Champions League, because she's... There we go. There, there's the link. Leading either the endurance or the sprint event. I uh, That's how much I... It will be endurance. To it. She's not a sprinter. Endurance. Yes. There you go. Katie Archibald has been re-signed from many years ago 2017 to Saratizit WT for three years so through the next olympic cycle which is big news because Saratizit WT has not announced anything for next year at all and most of their riders retired or left so it's really interesting that they've signed katie interesting great i don't know we'll see we'll see what the rest of their roster looks like as it starts to come forward well which are the big names that are left that haven't announced where they're going lisa, lisa brenauer. brenauer yeah she's like the only anyone one. else not really yeah. because like julie leth left chris uh kristen kirsten wield uh, retired they've yeah most of their big names left or retired yeah the austrian rider um sarah reichs i'm saying it wrong she moved she's moved teams as well i think to the luxembourg team and the andy schleck one maria julia Contalania, she left that team. oh yeah I haven't seen anything of that but um yeah mm-hmm. interesting God damn it my first thing is to go on pro cycling stats i need to <gasps> What is this hate campaign we've started now? <laughs> oh no! Uh, I know really she's sat. She's with them Twitter. next year. She's good. She's yeah. They have a couple riders that are like signed two years last year. That are that are with the team this year. But you know, a team can always fold and like leave those riders out to dry. Mate, the rosters, the roster for next year has three people on it. Yeah. So even PCS doesn't even know what's going on. That says something. Well. Okay, who are the three people on the roster? Uh, Katie Archibald, Maria Giulia Confalonieri. Hope I've said that right, probably haven't. And Laura Asensio, the French rider. Iesta, that's it. Big question mark. Yeah, big question mark. Yeah, yeah. The, the person who leaked the, the Tipco roster, maybe they can um, do the same. Yeah, where, where are they at? They're obviously not behind the scenes of Sarah Tizit, are they? Or Sarah is just better at like keeping things on lock, you know? We don't want to throw a tape under the bus, you know? Speaking of rosters, a little bit better transition. And speaking of rosters and track riders. What? Uh, the bike exchange team. 
<laughs> Bike Exchange Jayco, uh, officially for 2022, Bike Exchange Jayco has announced their complete roster. So it's a combination of last year's riders and a couple new riders with Jess Allen, Georgia Baker, Tennille Campbell, Kristen Faulkner, Ariana Fidanza, Nina Kessler, also from Tibco. So they picked up two Tibco. Alexander Manley, Ruby Roseman Gannon, Anne St. Esteban, Amanda Spratt, Chelsea Wei-Shi Tan, Georgia Williams, and somebody actually messaged me how to pr- properly say Erska Ziggart which is not that. So yeah, we've got Alex Manley returning. I don't know Georgia Baker was ever on Bike Exchange. I don't think so. I think she was on the Weagle High Five team, but it's great to see Alex Manley coming back to the road. Super talented young woman, um, great on the track, but she has a lot of potential on the road. So I think maybe there'll be some doorways opening on that team because it's um, – yeah, got a bunch of new riders in there. And another ex- like exciting rider to keep your eye on is Ruby Roseman Gannon. Um, she's a big talent, very young, and I think we'll see some big things from her in 2022. According to a friend on the Velo Club Slack, her name is pro- probably pronounced Urushka. Like, Urushka. If you like spell it out how it's how it sounds, O O R. S-H-K-A. Rushka. You know what we should do? I don't know if you remember that video SD Works did years ago of how to pronounce everyone's names. Mm, it was hilarious. I really liked that yeah. video. We should get that for us, for all the cities in Europe and all the riders. And every rider. Every city that there's a race and also every rider. <laughs> That's not a big ask at all. Totally doable. Podcasts that have like the, you press a button, it makes like a weird noise. You just like insert the. I should add that to first cycling. <laughs> pronunciation. Each rider should just submit the pronunci- pronunciation of their name. And then, yeah. I mean, when it's just like someone straightforward. Then I would definitely go there a lot more. Uh, you would think but that Amy what can't is be our, messed our up. feeling of this team? Hey, oh, we're on. Which one? Serious talk. No, I was just about to complain about how all the Catalans call me Ami, but that's the whole. Ami. 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 Ami Lauren. Anyway, I digress. Also, cute. Is it? (laughs) Um, Also, correction corner. (laughs) Um, Georgia Baker was on Orica Scott in 2017. Uh Aha. Oh yeah, she took my she took my spot when I um oh, retired very last minute. Moving on, <laughs> had to find a, a rider really quickly. Oh, because you left. All oh, right, okay, sorry. Right, I thought okay, thought there was like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I left at the end of January, which is not a good time to leave. Anyway, moving on. Moving on to a series that we've started on CyclingTips.com about unsung heroes the domestiques of the Peloton. So I thought that we would kind of talk a little bit about this because we've talked about domestiques before and how overlooked they are, especially in women's cycling where we don't get to watch the whole races usually. But we started the series that we're going to keep up throughout the year. When there's a big race or something, hopefully we can jump on the phone with the the winning rider and talk to them about the teammates, specific teammates that help them get to the line and kind of highlight some of those riders that have been 
incredible domestiques over the over the years over the seasons at specific races so we started that series already and if you haven't read it check it out we've got two um two submissions so far the first Kashaniwa Doma talked about Tiffany Cromwell and how amazing she is at leading Kasha around the bunch making sure she's in the right place at the right time so I actually will include that audio at the end of this episode. And then Amy did an episode with, did an episode. (laughs) Amy did one with basically Yumbo Visma team from the stage of the tour of Norway, (laughs) one by Rihanna Marcus, um, who is usually a domestique. So it was a really interesting point of view from, from someone who usually rides for other riders and how important it can be to have teammates because yeah, we've beaten this horse. That's a terrible saying. Why is that a saying? We've it's talked horrible. We talked about this a lot about how um it takes a team to win a race and I think it's time that the the domestiques of the peloton got a little bit more recognition. So that's why we started this series. Very excited about it. We got a couple more in the works. I think that um which, which organize not organizations the wrong word. I think thought it was a magazine that did Domestique of the Year or something like that. I think the Lantern Lantern Rouge does Domestique of the Year, um, like a Twitter poll. Yeah, that I'm pretty sure Audrey Cordon Rago won this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's always a hot favorite. I mean, she's an incredible Domestique. Yeah, and a winner in her own right. But yes, as the women's peloton has progressed, there is actually a role for a rider to stay comfortably in a domestique's role, um, like we see in the men's, and not need to to worry about results. Whereas before, it was like everyone was sort of, you know, um, sometimes going for their own result because that meant a contract. Mm-hmm. Because if you didn't have UCI points, then yeah, you couldn't barter a good wage. Um, but now with these minimum wages as well, some of the women, particularly on Bike Exchange and Trek Segafredo, um, getting the minimum of the men's, they're earning decent money now. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's hear really quickly from Kasha. And thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. <laughs> So I was hoping that you could walk me through one race where whether or not you were happy with your results, where one of your teammates had like a quote unquote hero moment where they did something that was super valuable to you and your performance on the day. Uh, To be honest, uh, the first thing that came to my mind or the first race was the Oval Tour, but it was from 2018 when actually Hannah Burns together with Tiffany Cromwell, they were just like absolutely amazing that day. And not only like the performance wise, but just like tactical wise and like how, like I feel like that day was just like super great because we rolled with our hearts and like we really believed in winning the stage and everything worked out perfectly and like I mentioned Tiffany and Hannah is also because 
Like they are amazing when it comes to positioning. They always know when to bring you up to the front. They always know how to, especially Tiffany. She's like, she's such a great road captain and a team leader in a way that she's got the experience and she knows when and where to be in the front and how to move in the peloton and how to like save leaders energy. So she's also such a, uh, of, how to say it, like all around her rider in a way that she's capable of helping me uh, in the hilly state races or classics, but also she's super helpful to towards our sprinters or like for Lisa Klein in a, like flat Belgian races. So I feel like everyone really appreciates Tiffany and as well as Hannah Burns for their, like, their help. One of the bummers about women's racing is they usually don't show the full race. So yeah, exactly. We don't really get to see those Mm -hmm. moments, but for the people who don't know a ton about the teamwork that goes into a race, how, how important is it having Tiffany like lead you around the Peloton and make sure that you save energy? It's super important for me, especially when it comes to like a hectic and quite difficult moments because she's very good and smooth and her like bike handling is amazing basically so I know that I can fully trust her I never doubt like being on her wheel or the the action she takes I just know that it's gonna end up well so it's really important to have somebody that you can just like fully um trust and like be committed to and you know that it's gonna work out anyway so then I feel like it gives you this rest in mind and just like a bit of relaxation before important moments because you know that you're you're not alone you have somebody who takes the pressure off of your shoulders or somebody who kind of like shares this like weird unique and stressful moment with you as a team leader how do you make sure that they feel kind of seen as a domestique because they're they're often kind of overlooked by the media and by fans and stuff so how is what is your role in making sure that they get recognized to be honest i feel like just this year i've managed to become a good team leader before i feel like i wasn't giving enough attention to my riders i was it's not that I didn't want to, it was just like unsure of what I wanted or of who I was and what leadership position was. Yet this year I kind of like, maybe with age, I just understood what I want to give to my riders. So I definitely make sure that everyone before the race feels uh, appreciated and feels respected. And I always ask them how they feel and not just physically, but also mentally. And I just want to always make, make them laugh in some ways or just like want to bring the good atmosphere so everyone feels that they're an important part of the team. So when it comes to the media, then of course, like the first thing you always uh, say after the race is how thankful and grateful you are for your teammates because uh, when you cross the finish line, no one sees the whole team that worked for you. So I think unfortunately, this is the only thing that we can do so far yet i would love to see sport evolving in a way that whenever somebody wins a race the whole team gets to go to the podium 
maybe there's like okay podium for top three but at the end the whole team gets it's like one moment on the stage that everyone can celebrate together because also i feel like this is the thing that our sport is missing that like after getting a great result you are just being taken to all those different press conferences or meetings or i don't know job in control anything and you, you lose the moment it's like magical moment that you could share with your teammates so I feel like I hope that one day that can change.